What's up, y'all, and welcome to Tales from the Band Room podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Eady, a 19-year educator, and I've built strong programs in urban schools. I'm so proud of what we're able to accomplish in spite of the obstacles many of my students faced, and I want to share my story to help others face in similar situations. So I created this podcast to share tools and strategies I've learned during my career. Each week, the episodes will be real, raw, with a touch of crazy, but it's what I use to motivate and get the best out of my students. Thanks for listening. Now let's go. Welcome to episode seven. To the end and beyond, we're going to make it through COVID. We're going to be celebrating a year of our new normal, I guess you can call it, Um, and I know we're ready to get back to our regular band. It's been tough, but, you know, us teachers, we're all warriors, and we're definitely going to get through it. A lot of us have struggled to get our kids to turn in work, turn on videos, or actually want to be there, but there have been some educators who have taken this new way of teaching by the horns and providing unique opportunities uh, for their students. And today we have the queen, uh, the Myra Roden, who's joining us today. And Myra is the band director at Fayetteville High School in Fayetteville, Georgia. She's also the CEO and founder of the Athena Music and Leadership Camp. Uh, so welcome, Myra. Thank you for, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. And for everyone, this is like black royalty uh, on here today. (laughs) I don't know about that. But no, so I, I'm I'm very thankful you're you're taking taking time uh, to do this. So we'll just first start. Just tell us about yourself. Who are you? And we'll go from there. All right. Well, I am originally from Tuskegee, Alabama. I grew up about a block away from Tuskegee University. I grew up on that campus. I uh, grew up watching the marching band practice about uh, up the street from my house. Um, That's how I got into this band thing, watching the Tuskegee University Crimson Pipers and and bothering (laughs) the students and directors there as I was growing up. Uh, So uh, Tuskegee is is a great place to be from. It's the the hub of Black history, and and it's just wonderful. I uh, left there um, and went to the University of Alabama, totally different atmosphere. I got my bachelor's and my master's from there. Um, I taught at Westlawn Middle School as my first job. My first job was actually starting the band program. So where's, like, where's Westlawn? Westlawn Middle School is in Tuscaloosa. And uh, I was hired to start the band program at oh, the I, 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 what, I, sixth grade school. I just want to interrupt you. I said I have to give you props for not saying roll tide. Normally, roll tide. Those, normally those people that they, <laughs> they have to get that in there some kind of way. <laughs> you knew it was coming. You knew yeah. it was. Roll tide. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I taught there. Tus- uh, Tuscaloosa at the time was under a desegregation uh, ruling um, from the federal government. And mm. so the entire city, you had all the sixth graders went to one school. And then they moved to a totally different building for seventh grade, totally different building for eighth grade. And then the two high schools that were on opposite sides of town 
combined to make Central High School. And so the ninth and 10th grade was on one campus and the 11th and 12th grade was on the other, but they, they were one high school, two campuses. Band started in seventh grade there until I got there. And I started the sixth grade band program. And so that's, I in, that's insane. As a first year teacher, that's crazy. It's <laughs> crazy. But uh, I did my student teaching in, in that school system and the principal saw something and said, let's do it. And so we did. And that nice. was my very first job. Uh, so I stayed there a few years, assisted with the marching band at the high school there with Mr. Oscar Watts. And uh, then I left there and went home and taught at my high school, sort of. I went to Tuskegee Institute High School, but that school combined with a few others to make Booker T. Washington High School in Tuskegee. So that's where I taught. And I was there for four years, my first high school job, way back when. (laughs) And then I left there and went to Lanier High School in Montgomery, Alabama, which is right down the street from the governor's mansion. And a huge school that was uh, one of the largest high schools in the state at the time. And a fun fact about that is that they called it the million dollar building because it costs a million dollars when it was built back in 1930s, like 32 or something. That's that's huge back then, I'm sure. It is huge. It's still standing. There's nothing that's (laughs) that's tearing that school down. So I was at Sydney Lanier for two years and then I came to Fayetteville, Georgia. And so I've been at Fayette County High School for 18 years now. We found out today that most of my students weren't even born when I took the job. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, that's horrible. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. And the seniors were about some, you know, four or six months old. So yeah, it's been a day today. Um, but they yes, are- I've been there for about 18 years. And um, while I was here, I left, um, well, didn't leave, but I went to the University of Southern Mississippi and got my third degree from there. All right. Love it, love it, love it. Now, how is it being in a black band or band director Mecca in in Atlanta? (laughs) Well, depends on what you say about that. Um, It's great. One reason I came to Atlanta, uh, quite honestly, is because um, I found out that there were a lot lot of black band directors here. And you didn't find that where I came from. There weren't very many black band directors who uh, taught in the state of Alabama. And so I ended up moving to Georgia and uh, was able to meet a lot of people here. And so it's great, you know, just being around directors that look like me and that don't, you know, different perspectives are always good to have, right? That, yes. Yeah. That that's awesome. And since since you're here, we 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 of course would love to hear about your Athena story. Um, if you wouldn't mind uh, just talking to us about Athena and how that came about and its purposes, et cetera. Absolutely. All right. So I've been fortunate enough to go around and do honor bands and things like that. And one thing that I recognize is that during breaks or after the events 
girls would always come up and say, you know, are you really a high school band director? Yeah, you're over the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I thought about doing something like that, but I don't think that the boys would do what I want them to do. Or I'm small in stature or, you know, how do you get the boys to, to follow your lead? Or they would say, I'm the only girl in my um in my section and I'm section leader next year and I'm really nervous about it because I'm the only girl there. You know, how do you deal with that? So I always come home and I tell my husband those stories and he is the one that always says to me, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, you hear this all the time. What are you going to do about it? But like, I don't know. Yeah. But, I love it. <laughs> yeah, we actually uh, sat down and brainstormed and we came up with this idea of a camp. And the camp would be led by women and it would be for girls. And that was back in 2008. And here we are in 2021. So we've been in person since 2008, every summer, a five day summer camp overnight, um, led by women. Uh, All presenters are women. Uh, Most of the presenters are women. And um, then, of course, we had to pivot like everybody else uh, in 2020. So we had a virtual camp in 2020, and we're going to actually have two sessions of the camp in 2021. So wow. that's where it all started. I also want to throw in there, you have, you have three camp, three locations, right? Yeah, so we've been in Atlanta since 2008. Several years later, we expanded to Minnesota. And then we were supposed to have our Chicago location in 2020, but... It didn't happen because of COVID. That's that's awesome, and I I love seeing everything you have have going on with Athena, and I love that my daughter is a part of it. You and your empower empowerment of women and everything, um, and it seems like you're you're also doing that with Black women band directors. It, is that something you you start when you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. So the Association of Black Women Band Directors. Uh, it's kind of weird how that came about. One day I was just talking to a colleague and said, you know, do you know a lot of black women who are band directors? And I couldn't name a ton. You know, we do have several here in Georgia, not a lot who are high school head directors, but definitely, you know, directors, assistant directors, middle school directors, elementary directors. But I was looking for people in other states. So I just randomly started a Facebook page. And called it, I don't know what it was, African-American women band directors or something like that. And just started sharing the page with everybody I knew and asked them to share the page with everybody I knew. Well, that page had been around for about two years. And we weren't really active. You know, people would come on and say things every now and then. But then the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, I started seeing a lot more activity on that page. So one day, I think it was around in April, I said, um, just put a message out there. Hey, would y'all like to meet on Zoom one day? And it was like, yeah. And so that very first meeting was so, it was, I don't, I don't know if weird is the right word, but seeing all of the black women in one space, even though it was mm, virtual. Yeah. Um, I'd never been in a space like that before. And no one on the call had ever been in a space like that before. So usually if we're like at a convention or whatever we're at, you know, you're not going to see a room full of black women band directors. (laughs) So after meeting, you know, every other week and things like that um, and just talking things out, 
we realize, you know, we need to be to be the ones that are the role models for people who want to be like us, because we did not see a lot of role models uh, when we were coming through. You know, this is my 28th year teaching. So I didn't see a ton. I saw some, but I didn't see a lot. And so we decided to formally organize. So now we're um, trying to become a 501c3 so we can start getting donations and so we can maybe get scholarships to young women who want to be band directors who are young black women and just do other things like that. So uh, it, it kind of it's another one of those things that came out of COVID, you know? Wow. Yeah, See, y'all, I told y'all this is why Myra is the queen. Uh, she <laughs> she is a trailblazer in in this music ed world, and uh, she is definitely one that everyone should get to know and learn um, more about. Now, doing all this, like, how do you have time for your like job? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Um, you know. Once again, the pandemic has made us all scale back what we as high school band directors do, you know, so we're not rehearsing as much after school, you know, our marching season may or may not have happened. And I'm one of those people who have to fill up my time doing something. (laughs) And so that's, that's kind of what I've been doing. So it's kind of weird. Now I actually bought a planner. I haven't written down a calendar in forever. And I actually bought a planner because I was, I had to get myself under control. (laughs) So that has really, really helped a lot. The fact that you bought a planner is hilarious to me. (laughs) But but you got to do what you got to do. I do what you got to do. Now, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of of all the planning and and preparation, like how are you handling the the challenges of this COVID life? I've, I've kind of enjoyed the time. You know, I, yeah. you know, I, I'm not happy with, you know, what COVID does <laughs> to people. You know, we're, we're all just, you know, sad about all the numbers you see, you know, people who passed away and, you know, people who've affected, you know, we, I think we've all probably had at least one family member, you know, who've had it, or we know someone who knows someone, um, the, the degrees of separation are probably, not very many, but as far as being here and being at home, I've actually enjoyed the time, you know, we've all kind of, our, our, our careers have all, you know, taken a different turn. You know, my son has been here for a calendar year now, and it seems like it's gone by so fast. It doesn't seem like he's been here almost a year, but he's been here almost a year, um, doing college from home his entire junior year and part of the end of his sophomore year. And so our family's here. We spent a lot more time together and we're, we're still here. <laughs> we're still together. So that's a good thing. But yeah, I've, I've learned how to slow down a little bit. And I think that's probably what, you know, the quarantine time has, has done. So a good thing that's come from it. I, I agree. I love uh, all, all this time at home with the family and um, with my girls being virtual and being able to be 
I, even though I hate being an elementary school teacher, but be, being there <laughs> uh, for them ha, has just been, been I guess, a blessing. And if if we were doing marching band and going planning this concert and doing this, we we would have lost out on all all those opportunities. This section is called Beyond the Practice Room and is something non-music related that I wanted to share. And of course, I would have to talk to you today about the Super Bowl. I guess I'll give props to that old guy. Goat versus Baby Goat. Who'd have thunk that game would have ended like that? To think Pat Mahomeboy would get destroyed like that? Shout out to Todd Bowles and that wonderful defense for shutting out Pat Mahomes. Shout out to Bruce Arians, the Tampa Bay head coach. The Buccaneers are the only team in the NFL with all black coordinators. Brian Leftwich, offensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator, and Keith Armstrong, special team coordinator. I also loved all of the pregame singers. Shout out to her for that wonderful rendition of America the Beautiful. And kudos to Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan for a wonderful national anthem. Now with regards to those Super Bowl commercials, I need an overhaul next year. If you're going to pay that much money for a commercial, it needs to at least make me laugh a little bit. And the halftime show? Mm, but until next year. So I know you, you talked about your son. Um, he, he's a superstar in his own right. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about Errol? Yeah, sure. Okay, so he is a junior at the University of Southern California. He is a tuba performance major, um, and he absolutely loves it. He actually just added a minor in pop music studies. So, what is that? <laughs> he is a, he's a classical tuba player, but has a minor in pop music studies. And I honestly think that stemmed from his time at the um, All American Marching Band with Disney. He made that. Uh, I guess it wasn't last summer, the summer before last. And they treat them like royalty there. And, you know, behind the scenes of Disney and producing music and soundtracks and, you know, all the things. And, of course, you know, USC being in L.A., you know, he has teachers who are the producers of, you know, award shows and producers for these major artists and things like that. And so he's just kind of taking an interest to all of that behind the scenes stuff that goes into everything that you hear on the radio and, you know, how you, you know, produce it. I don't, I can't describe it, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what he's doing. So he hasn't given up the, the classical music thing. His, his goal is to become, you know, an orchestral tuba player, but he's kind of developed, that's been his quarantine thing. Um, you know, learning how to produce and, you know, make videos and all that behind the scenes type stuff. So I'm just I'm still stuck on USC having a pop music major. That's pretty insane. And yeah, that that's the kind of progressive thinking we need to be having in all of music education. So, yeah, that's awesome. So you want to shout out E3's website? <laughs> Yes, E3 Tuba. <laughs> e, the number, the numeral three Tuba. And then he also has um, another 
the free range musician that he does with his friend Sophie, who is also a music performance major uh, who lives out in Arizona. So they've been actually doing things uh, virtually together to produce things for their YouTube channel. Oh, I love it. And then all those videos he puts out is, is they're, they're cute and they're, they're, they're pretty special. So uh, hitting back on some, some, some COVID, COVID talk and I, it, it's been difficult. I, I will say this. I, I've had friends, I don't know, I'll say once a week, probably even two or three times a week, just calling me and venting about, you know, life's, life is terrible and life sucks. And, you know, I'm just like, well, this is, this is the time where we have to be the little engine that could and, and keep on moving it. And I think the biggest thing that they're, they're having issues with or is the connection and the, the relationship building and the things that we normally, that, that are normally easy for us in, in the band world. Like, how have you, um, worked on building relationships in, in, in this time? Well, that's interesting that you said that because when we talked to our students about the thing they liked about being in band the most, relationships, family, atmosphere, all of that is normally the number one thing they said. So right. we couldn't have band camp this year. We had to figure out how we could build that community virtually. And one thing that we did was make sure that we spent a lot of time with our students simply doing that, whether it was playing games, whether it was a movie night, whether it was whatever the it was. Um, the one thing that was a big hit for our marching band camp, which was 100% virtual, was having team building time built in every day for 45 minutes. And then we had a student leadership team responsible for coming up with the things to do during that time. So we had two weeks, Monday through Thursday, and then another Monday through Thursday. So they had to come up with eight activities and they did a phenomenal job. Wow. Um, the first day of camp at the end, and remember this is all virtual, at the end of the day, I asked the kids, can you just drop in the chat one thing you liked about today? And everybody was saying, seeing everybody's face, being able to communicate with everybody. Because, you know, you think that the kids are on their phones all the time, but they're not interacting with people. They're looking right. at Snapchat and they're looking at. Mm -hmm. And when they talk on the phone, they don't look at people. They'll have the phone looking at the ceiling on FaceTime. And I will never understand that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Person. But we were like, you have to have your camera on because we can't help you. If your camera's off, we can't see your fingerings. We can't see him. Mm. Plus having your camera on means that your friends get to see you. And it's not fair for you to be able to see your friends and they're not able to see you. They want to see you too. And so right. they did. Anytime they had cameras on, my drum majors or my section leaders were like, hey, you need to turn your camera on. And because of that, everybody got a chance to see each other. And that little sense of community actually happened virtually. And the kids really, really understood that. So that's what we have been trying to do. Just every now and then do just some things where they can just connect and see each other yes. and just encourage them to have their cameras on so their friends can see themselves, can see them. 
And that is super important in, in everything we do. And I heard you, you mentioned your leadership played a key role. Like, did they, did they, um, run those things by you or did they say we're going to do this? What, what are some other, what are some other key things the leadership did throughout the year to kind of help you with this? They would sometimes run things by me, but it got to the point where I started trusting them. (laughs) And I just said, you have 45 minutes tomorrow. All right. I'll, I'll see you then. And they'll go, okay. And they will always just come up with something. They have learned to have their own zoom meetings and we don't monitor them. Oh, they nice. Have their own Zoom meetings, and then they will report back what they did. And, you know, the president will send me an email or one of the drum majors and say, all right, Dr. Rowan, this is what we want to do. Bam, 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 bam. Is this okay? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, and that's that's what they've been doing all year. So, yeah, some most of the time, yeah, they will tell me ahead of time. But sometimes I'm the one that throws things on things on them last minute (laughs) and I'll say handle it and I trust you I'll meet you there and 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 they step up to the plate every time so you talk about band camp and how how did you like get the ninth graders to buy in so I know it's it's easy for everyone who's been a part of a normal band camp or been through the year and you know blood sweat and tears with their with their friends how do you get these ninth graders to want to buy in? Because, you know, first, a lot of times they're just scared of the big, bad high schoolers. And what did you, what, what, did, what are some things y'all did? It was actually harder to convince some of the upperclassmen than it was the ninth graders. Because the ninth graders really? didn't know any different. You know, uh, they'd never been to band camp before. The upperclassmen were like, it's not going to be real band camp, you know. But the ones who were there and the ones who showed up, they understood, you know, by the end of the time they had that band camp feeling. So it was good. Um, yeah, just getting them to show up had a lot to do with advertising. You know, our student leaders, once again, they, uh, they are in charge of social media. And so they made mm-hmm. a video geared towards those uh, rising ninth graders. It was a rookie camp video. And I was like, hey, rookies, you know, I know band camp's coming up. You may be a little nervous. And then they would just each say something about how great camp is going to be. We can't wait to see you, you know. And so we just do little things like that and have them reach out to the ninth graders. And it worked just fine. And plus, we had a meeting, too. Meetings are, are great. So Zoom yeah. meetings, I, I don't know if I'll ever go back to in-person band parent meetings, but <laughs> Zoom parent meetings and having the kids there and spelling everything out. This is what we're going to do. You know, yes, you're going to have breaks. Yes, you know, it, you know, it was just spell everything out. And they went, okay. And they showed up. So you talk about... Uh- the Zoom meetings and the parents. So how do you get the parents to buy in? And I know you talked about having the meetings and all this stuff, but like, how do you get them to show like, to trust you that you're going to take care of their babies or treat their babies right? How you, how, how's that working out? Oh, that's hard to answer because I've been here for 18 years. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for me now um, because I like to think that the people, you know, growing up in the community know, you know, <laughs> this is how she does it. <laughs> and she's going to give you the information and she's going to take care of your kids. And that's it. If you have a question, you know, call her, email her, whatever, you know, talking to the kids, 
just like when your daughter wants something or when my sons want something and they're going to bug you until they get it. Mm-hmm. If you can get to those kids, they'll bug the parents. Hey, we have a meeting tonight. Hey, right. we have a meeting tonight. Hey, we have a meeting tonight. And then, you know, I almost rather it go that way than to have the parents to pull the kid along, you know, cause you want the kid to want to be there. Um, I don't know right. if that answered your question, but you know, I guess it comes with, just building the whole culture of the program. And, and I guess it also helps if your face is on the Fayetteville magazine. That kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we talked about it. Could you just tell us like how you're working the COVID? Uh, like how, how's your class set up? Like how are you teaching you know, during this time? Well, it changed yesterday. <laughs> of, of course it did. It so, wouldn't be COVID without so I'll, I'll give you the rundown. All right. So the first half of last semester, if I can remember this right, okay, about 40% of our school is 100% virtual. All right. All of those 100% virtual kids are asynchronous, mm. including mm. the band kids, which means all of the information we give them is recorded. And everything they give back to us is recorded. So, yes, I have students I've never seen on a Zoom call. I have students I've never met in person. (laughs) But they turn in their assignments every single week. And they're part of the band program. Okay, so how do you grade (laughs) uh, all of that? It takes a long time. As a matter of fact, I have a ton of grades due tomorrow. (laughs) So I'll probably spend the first two hours of my day listening to recordings. I I have learned to make the recording short. So like 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, give them some feedback, move on to the next person. And you have to do that for all the asynchronous kids. And to keep it easy on us for planning, we actually do that with the synchronous, with the in-person kids too. So they have the same curriculum. Gotcha. It's just that the instruction is given asynchronously to one group and in person to the other. So within that, we had kids come on AB days. Okay. Mm-hmm. So of the 60%, half came two days a week, Monday, Tuesday. Then we had Wednesday as a work day. Other half came Thursday, Friday. So we did that for a while. All right. So Think about that. The first nine weeks of school, we saw the kids 18 times. That's it. Oh, gosh. About three and a half weeks worth in nine weeks. All right. (laughs) Then we pivoted to where all the kids came into the building. All right. Then we had Christmas break. We just came back for the first four and a half weeks. Not only did we have A day, B day, they took our Wednesday away. So it was A, A, B, B, A, and then go to next week, A, B, B, A, A. <laughs> so oh, it was you know, every, you know, every two days we changed. All right. But this was the kicker. Anybody who was at home had to require log on to Zoom for class. So okay. I'm teaching the kids or half the kids in person. Half the kids online, and then the other part of the kids who are asynchronous. Okay, so I want to stop right there. How was that for you? Like, was that mentally taxing? Is yeah. it just you just like whatever, and we're just gonna get it done? And, and and how was it for the kids? Is it tougher for the the virtual kids? I'm asking you too much. Go ahead. Yeah, I I 
freaked out about it because I didn't know how to set up the the technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I actually put out a notice on Facebook. I was like, "Hey, y'all, send me pictures of of your stuff. Send me send me pictures of of how you set up your room." And you know, friends just dropped them in the little you know the Facebook posts, and some of them reached out personally. And I was really overthinking it. At the end of the day, is my computer sitting right there to my right? You know, my music, my score sitting right there to my left. And all the kids are at home. I can see their faces on my computer. And if we needed to screen share something, I would just screen share it on the big screen that's behind me. And the kids in the building can see and hear it at the same time as the kids at home. I guess that means it's time to go ban. This section talks about something I'm listening to that I think you should check out or something exceptional happening in the band world. And today I want to talk to you about composer Omar Thomas. I consider him the Will Smith of the band composer world. He's the assistant professor of composition and jazz at the University of Texas at Austin. He came onto the scene with his much needed work of Our New Day Begun in 2015. He's the 2019 Ravelli Award winner for his piece, Come Sunday. And I love him because he's always his authentic self and he wants black folks to win. His compositions are fresh and bring a new sound to the wind band medium. And I encourage you to program his work. I love this quote from Omar. To all the black musicians in wind ensemble who are given opportunity after opportunity to celebrate everyone else's music but our own, I see you and I am you. This one's for the culture. And I want to talk to you about his arrangement of Shenandoah. It's a grade four work achievable by young bands. And Thomas says, after hearing a really lovely duo arrangement of Shenandoah, I asked myself, how would I set this historic song differently? I thought about it, and before I realized it, I had composed and assembled just about all of this arrangement in my head. This arrangement recalls the beauty of Shenandoah Valley, not bathed in golden sunlight, but blanketed by low-hanging clouds and experienced intermittent periods of heavy rainfall. There are few musical moments where the sun attempts to pierce through the clouds, but ultimately the rain wins out. Please support and check out Omar's music at www.omarthomas.com, O-M-A-R-Thomas.com. If you have a go band you'd like me to shout out, tag at bandroomtales on Twitter or email me at bandroomtales at gmail.com. So how does questions from the virtual kids work? How did, do, do you have like a student answering the chat while you're doing it? How, how'd that work? I have the chat up so I can see it during class. And I put my reading glasses on. <laughs> so I can see what's going on. Um, but I actually encourage the kids n- not to type in the chat because if they're typing in the chat, they have to put their instrument down and go to the computer and type, and then it takes up too much time. Gotcha. So if I ask them questions, you know, say we just perform a line. And I'll go, hey, guys at home, how'd that go? And they know our signal is thumb up, thumb middle, thumb down. Mm-hmm. And I encourage them to be honest. So if I see kids do thumb middle or thumb down, I'll say, all right, we have some people who need to do it again. Let's do that one more time. And yes. they'll do it. And they're honest with you. Now, they, they know I can't hear them, and but I can see them participating. Like, if we stop and they stop, 
and, you know, their horns are up when everybody else's horns are up. It actually worked okay. And the kids at home can hear the kids in the building, but the kids in the building can't hear the kids at home. But that's fine. It worked out okay. Got you. So with with that, do you like, do you say, okay, we do in pop quizzes. Okay. Johnny on virtual go and play for us. Yeah, we've done that. I don't don't do a quiz, but I do hear it. But what I found out is that bandwidth is something else. Mm -hmm. So a kid can play and it could be something that you takes five seconds, but because of the internet, it makes, (laughs) you know, and we're like, Okay, that was good. Thank you. You know, <laughs> and sometimes it's just a check to see if they're paying attention. Right. You know, so I'll say, all right, flutes, let me hear it. All right. Let me hear you play that, Jack, you know, and see if they if they respond, they know exactly what we're doing in class. And I've had no issues so far. So good. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a lot about technology. One, what what platform are you using? Are you using Zoom or something else? And what are some other things technology-wise that you've learned that have been helpful for you? Yeah, we're on Zoom, and we use Schoology as our learning management system. Um, Schoology is awesome because the kids can record in Schoology, and pretty much everything we do is just an audio recording. We've also used Breezing Through Theory, so they've had to turn in some Breezing Through Theory work. Um, Before we got that subscription, we did musictheory.net, and we did some other music theory things with them. But we found out that the less clicks the kids have to do, the more apt they are to actually doing things. Mm. So we want to make it super streamlined. Here are the instructions. And the way it comes up on Schoology, all they have to do is press record. They play what they need to play. And then they press stop. And they submit it. And that's it. So they're not, you know, Flipgrid and all that is great. But Schoology is a one-stop shop. I feel like I'm giving a commercial for them. <laughs> but it's a, it's a one-stop shop for us, and it works really, really well. The sound quality is not great, but you have to just kind of take that into account and, um, you know, grade the kids as, as you normally would. Uh, I, I know you say you take about two hours uh, grading grading the scale tests. Are you giving, like, specific feedback that you expect them to to fix by the next time? Are you like documenting or making a diary of what you're, what you're saying for each kid? Are you just memorizing? How, how's that working out? So I'm lucky enough to have an assistant director. So we actually split the grading up. Um, and he listens to most of the kids, um, submissions who are virtual. And I listen to most of the kids submissions who are in person. But, you know, it's just like any other year where you hear the kids every single day and you know that they're improving. Um, We do give them sometimes the same line to play. Like, for instance, if there's an articulation exercise, they may have to turn that in four weeks in a row. (laughs) You know, and we're going to expect, you know, improvement every time they do it or or exercise or whatever. Um, And then with the learning management system, you put a rubric in. And then as you're listening, you just click on the numbers for the rubric. And it's super easy. They recently just added where you can write in comments. So as the kid is playing, I'm typing. I'll do the rubric on to the next. And it's almost like a little mini private lesson every single time. So I think the kids have actually, the ones who have bought into what we're doing and knowing that, you know, this is how band is, 
um, they've actually improved a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. In in your program, are you guys doing a lot of fundamental or technique stuff? Are you doing a lot of band music? How how's that working out? The first half of the year was a lot of technique stuff. We had some students coming from the middle school who, because of whatever reason, they weren't even able to have their instrument. So we had some who hadn't played in months. Um, We had some who hadn't played in months simply because of the pandemic. They may have been a little depressed. They just didn't want to do anything. Oh, I got to go back to school now. So those first few weeks was just getting them back on the horn. And we had to, you know, start by realizing that they're not going to sound like what was in our brain in March, which was LGPE performance evaluation ready, which happened the day before we left. Preach. Right. It happened the day before we got shut down. And we had to realize that the kids were not going to sound like that. So that was a mental adjustment for us as Mm -hmm. well. Um, So yeah, a whole lot of fundamentals and we are actually just now getting into like in the meat of music Um, for some of the classes we're using those flex arrangements. And for another class, we're using uh, actual band music because uh, with the in-person kids, the instrumentation is pretty decent. So, but they're just happy to play something that's not scales and arpeggios <laughs> and, and rhythm exercises. So, yeah, yeah, that's that is totally, totally right. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about like how you're staying safe in in the in the classroom. Uh, what PPE do you require of your students, and did you provide any of that for them? Our school system purchased bell covers for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, All of my marchers and the students who didn't do marching band. And I say, I'm I'm calling it marching band, but we stood still at, you know, eight by eight block and played. (laughs) All right. Yep. We were not moving. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. followed all the things in the Colorado study. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah. So they did. uh, We all have bell covers. We have filters for the bell covers that our boosters provided. And then the talk, stu- talk a little bit about the filters. It's the MERV 13 filter. Um, because according to the research, the one bell cover is not enough. You'd have to have the filter to go into the bell cover or double layers. Um, kind of like what they're saying for masks now with the CDC, they right. said double layers for the instruments back this summer. So the filter is one layer and the, and the bell cover is the other. The students had performance masks for marching band, except for percussion who had regular masks on and, um, and color guard. But for class, we have a variety. Some of them will, you know, do the mask with the slit and some of them will have their performance mask on is whatever the kid brings, but they're, they do not play if they do not have a bell cover. Um, so we do that. Um, our, we're fortunate enough to have a band room large enough for us to be able to sit 12 feet apart. Okay. Um, which is what the, the study suggested. They did say six to eight feet. However, that particular university said they were doing 12. Right. <laughs> and so if the people doing the studies doing 12, I'm doing 12. So we're fortunate enough to do that. And because mo- a lot of our kids are virtual, my classes are pretty small. 
especially on the A day, B days. So we're able to spread out like that. We're going to the auditorium or go outside. We didn't do any of the plexiglass because that was not recommended for the airflow. Um, we did have our HVAC tested and um, our county did say that what we had was what the study suggested, actually better than what the study suggested. So we felt really good about that. We do the 30 minutes of playing. Um, we've added things to class, you know, like doing a video at the beginning of every single class um, just to kind of eat up a little time. But the kids have really enjoyed it because we pick a wide variety of music every single day. And they're looking forward to the videos now. How long, how long are your classes? 50 minutes. Okay. Actually a little shorter now. Um, they took our lunch periods from three to four so less people can be in the lunchroom at the same time. So they, they shaved off a couple of minutes from each class period to do that. Nice. Uh, any, anything else? Do y'all have the sprayers that you go around after each class? We don't have those huge sprayers that people see, but the school did provide us with uh, spray and things to wipe down the chairs. We're expected to sanitize sur surfaces between every class, and that's the entire school. So um, are, are you guys expected to do that, or can, can students do that? No, we're expected to do it because the kids are in transition. So between every class... We, luckily, there's two of us, three of us, because I have a student teacher, and one of us goes and sprays, the other one wipes <laughs> down behind, <laughs> because it's five minutes between. And so we actually try to end the class a little early so the kids aren't going into the storage room at the same time. So they kind of staggered that, and um, they know to move away from their chairs so we can go ahead and spray and get ready for the next class. And the kids appreciate it. They will let us know if teacher didn't do it. <laughs> So uh, yeah, they notice everything. Of course, they. Yeah, I, I, I know you, you're connected to someone who does some some band PPE um, and some musicians mask. Would you talk to us a little bit about that as well? Yourmusicessentials.com. Order your masks. <laughs> yeah, they're actually really good. They're double layer cotton and really soft and. Um, adjustable ear loops you can get them in all sorts of colors you can get them embroidered and uh you know they're very very high quality so yeah and they're made by her husband <laughs> something like that yeah yeah <laughs> so that's good no no that that's awesome you know you know it's it's interesting to go in people's different people's band rooms and talk to other people about the the different things they they they're they're doing, you know, I watched a video where there's this band and everyone's sitting, sitting by them. Like there's no problem. And I have, uh, a, uh, also, I also have a friend who, uh, they have to be 12 feet apart and they just were allowed to go inside. Like, I, you know, they were, they were keeping them outside and the parents just kind of, you know, made a stink because it's, it's cold now. And so they, they finally decided to let them, play inside. And so it, it, it's interesting to see the, you know, the differences people are, are approaching their COVID practices. So you talked a little bit about going into your storage, storage room. Like, can we talk about a little bit about the, the, the practices in, in your band room? Like, how do you go into the storage room? How, how do you come into the classroom and, and how do you enter and exit? So we have two doors to our band room and usually the kids use the door that's the closest to the rest of the school. 
but we've made all of our doors one way. So one way in, one way out. Um, we've asked the kids not to go into the storage room more than two students at a time. Um, because we have a lot of kids that are 100% virtual, all of our um, instrument storage cabinets aren't being used. So when we assigned them, their particular locker is not around, like not next to someone else's locker. Um, of course, we have our signs up saying, please only touch your stuff. Um, and they're doing they're doing really well. I mean, I just have to say six feet, like, <laughs> uh, you know, because they want to socialize their kids. They want to get up to each other. As soon as we say six feet, they just kind of spread out and like, you know, six squares <laughs> up, the, up the floor between you and the person next to you. And that's what we do. I have to be honest and say I do not go out of the band room. Uh, very often, if I walk the hallway of the school, it's going to be while the other kids are in class. I have yet to go out in the hallway during a class change. I don't blame you. This entire school year, I don't plan to. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just me. So we do what we have to do to keep everybody safe. Yeah. And to keep yourself safe because ain't nobody go. else going to do it but you. There you go. Uh, and so now we're like we're inside the class and we're playing. Uh, what what are some some differences you're seeing from your students when it comes to to the playing portion? I, I you know especially being 12, 12 feet apart. The the biggest thing at the beginning of the year was getting the kids to play out. They're used to sitting so much closer together. And no hiding. All, no hiding now. No hiding. Even when you're just playing a simple concert F. I'm like, why are we playing with these little teeny tiny sounds? <laughs> so they had to get used to hearing themselves, which was really, really weird. You know, <laughs> you, you expect that kind of in marching band when you're all spread out. And you, so you kind of have to teach that there. But I never thought I had to teach it for inside band, too. And so that took a couple of weeks because, remember, we were only seeing the kids two days a week. So I see kids Monday, Tuesday. I wouldn't see them again for the next Monday. <laughs> mm. So that took a long time to get them to just have confidence in their playing. And we are just getting to the point where we don't have to tell them anymore. Like they will play with a good sound and they're okay with what they sound like. And I bet you when, when we're finally able to stand a foot apart, that sound is going to be massive. Yep. Um, yep. And it's only going to help help the program. Well, it's story time. In this segment, we'll talk about some of the most interesting and crazy stories that have happened to me in my career. From fitting too many people in my car to having my band students perform a football game after a football game, you don't want to miss this segment. My very first trip ever. As a high school band director, I was 25 <laughs> years old. And I said, hey, how cool would it be to go to New York? So I planned a trip to New York with my kiddos from Tuskegee Institute High School. Actually, Booker T. Washington High School is where it was. So we get on, on, the, on the bus and we are traveling to New York. Well, what I didn't say is that we had a brand new superintendent that came in about two weeks before that, two, two months before that. And when I met him, I said, hey, we're going to New York in two months. You want to join us? He said, yeah. Okay. So my superintendent was, brand new superintendent was on the trip. We get to Washington, D.C. 
and one of our buses breaks down uh, during rush hour on the main thoroughfare, whatever you call it, <laughs> going through DC. So I had kids sitting on the side of the highway in May. It was hot. <laughs> Superintendent included. And we were supposed to go to a Broadway show that night. So we actually missed our Broadway show because of our bus breaking down. The next morning, our superintendent said, well, we need to go to the Broadway show. So I'm going to go and get tickets. What? You're going to go get tickets. So the company said, yeah, if you go get tickets, we'll reimburse you. So he was like, okay. So in New York, we couldn't stop. We dropped them off. The buses had to go around. And then when we went back to pick them up, we couldn't find them. Oh, no. So we rode around New York City for about an hour looking for our superintendent <laughs> who had just used his money, his money to buy tickets for the entire band to go to another show the day before we were to leave New York so the kids could 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 see the show. Wow. <laughs> Great way to wake a, make a first impression, right? So where was he? He was somewhere, I don't know, somewhere in downtown New York. He, we had dropped him off at some place to buy the Broadway show tickets and couldn't find him. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he said he, he stood there for an hour waiting on us to find him. Buses got lost, so. <laughs> well, how was the show? Oh, it was great. I wish I could remember which one it was. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> um... I can't remember which one it was, but I do remember it being very, very good. Awesome. <laughs> if you have your own crazy story you'd like to share, tag us on Facebook or Twitter at BandroomTales, or you can email us at BandroomTales at gmail.com. So what 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 about bell covers? What are you doing to 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 combat those those altered sounds that come from the bell covers? You know, I just to be honest with you, I just try not to focus. <laughs> yeah, every now and then you may have a, a woodwind player who has some issues with low notes, but it's not really a lot. Mm. You know, there may be some issues with intonation, but I'm not worried about being in tune. I'm worried about you staying alive. <laughs> so we're not taking off those bell covers just so you can play in tune with the next person. But we do still teach intonation. We still we we do all the things. Um, I really think that the kids are used to them now. I mean, they've been playing with them all year, mm-hmm. and so I would be surprised. They will probably be surprised at what they sound like without the bell <laughs> covers. To be honest with you. Um, but we've definitely adjusted and it, it hasn't been a, a big deal. You know, I've, I've heard people say that it's been a huge deal for them. And I'm wondering, you know, like what brand they were using, you know, that kind of thing. I wonder if that makes a difference. I don't know. Mm, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it does. Oh, one thing I, I forgot to ask earlier when you said if the kids don't have a bell cover, they can't play. Like, are, do you allow them to make like a bootleg bell cover? No, they just don't play. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because we've all given them, we've given them all bell covers. Yep. So it's their responsibility to keep up with it. And we just tell them, don't take it off. So unless we're changing out a filter or something, don't take it off. Um, I had a, <laughs> just yesterday, a little girl, uh, a young lady, uh, <laughs> was freaking out because she, she, she took hers off to wash it and she lost it. It's a clarinet bell cover and they're about the size of a quarter oh, when you wow. take them off of the instrument. And so she was like, I can't play today, Dr. Roden. I was like, you're right. So she just sat there and fingered along and didn't play anything. And then she came in the day so happy because she found it. (laughs) And so we gave her a new filter and kept it moving. But yeah. So if they don't, they know they come to us or we'll say, well, you know, you have to replace it. The local stores are starting to sell them now. Oh, so they can easily replace it by going down the street. Nice. Yep. And um, I know you, you you hit on what y'all did in marching band. With with concert band, is there some kind of assessment that you guys have this year? Are y'all staying away? <laughs> um, in Georgia, it pretty much depends on your district. Our district is not having, the last I heard, I don't think we are, <laughs> but we're not <laughs> participating regardless because I have a ton of kids who are virtual. Um, and so... Um, we're just choosing not to do it, um, not getting on the bus, yep. not, you know, playing in, in rooms and being around, you know, other people just doing what we can do to keep our kids safe. So we're, we're, we did a virtual concert first semester and we're going to try to do an outdoor concert this semester. I don't blame you, blame you at all. <laughs> at all. Um, so now let's start going into the future. Like, what is like what what do you think has been one benefit from COVID? Well, if you talk about the kids and their musicianship, it's making them more independent. The recordings I get now versus the recordings I got in August and September, totally different. You can tell now that the kids, I'm ready to play. They turn it on, they play, and they leave before. You know, they take 10, 15 seconds to get themselves together. And I'm like, come on, play the first note. Um, So playing in front of people and playing and recording themselves, I think it's made the kids a lot more confident from ninth grade to 12th grade, all the way around. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So what, what are some things like you've learned doing teaching in COVID that you believe we should carry into the future? Probably more of that independent music stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we call our we called ourselves doing it before. You know, we'd go down the line uh-huh. and you know have our skills test, but not as much as we're doing it now. And you talk about holding kids accountable. You know, some people uh, say do practice records and all that. Mm-mm. You want to know if a kid's practicing? give them something to play and have them play it for you and you'll know if they're practicing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll probably keep more of that. We'll do more theory and we'll do more rhythm stuff. We've done, we used to do rhythm all the time, but we didn't do as much theory as we do now. So we'll probably keep that part of it too. I know we will. Nice. And then we might reimagine what our after school schedule is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, when you have so much time to enjoy family and, and do other things, it, it really, really makes you think 
um, about what we do. So, yep, absolutely. Uh, totally, totally get it. Now, on the flip side of that, what's one thing you're ready to throw away when this is over? Bell covers. <laughs> <laughs> and masks. And, and this is the real deal. We, our, we can require masks, right? Our school system requires masks. Their kids in Georgia, really? Okay, I'm just I know, right? I know. <laughs> the in in uh, I have kids whose bottom half of their faces I've never seen <laughs> in person. In person, I've seen them on their recordings, and sometimes I go, "Oh, that's what he looks like. <laughs> that's what she looks like." But in person, like for marching band. We would have to do all the things as far as uh, temperature checks and all that for every single rehearsal. You know, questionnaires, you know, have you been exposed? Do you have fever? Blah, 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 blah. And I would have half and one of the other directors would have half. So it got to the point where I could actually recognize the kids by their eyes and their hair when they Mm -hmm. checked in. My new kids. Of course, I knew my old kids. But then don't let a kid change their hair. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> so yeah, I would have I, I would have to relearn them. So, but all the kids who checked in with the other person, I didn't see them up close like that. So it's still I'm still learning what my kids actually look like because of the mask. <laughs> so we're getting rid of the mask and we're getting rid of the belt covers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And I don't know if you you're running into this problem, but how do you deal with the kids that may not have been able to get instruments or needed an alternative? Um, how do you keep them engaged? We're lucky to have all of our kids with instruments at the middle school and the high school. Um, we had enough inventory to be able to have let everybody have their own. We used to have kids just like share tubas at school and have their own practice tube at home. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we can't do that now um, because everybody has their own instrument and they will have to bring it back and forth or, or do their assignments after school or something like that. But yeah. Well, is there any other piece of like COVID advice uh, you want to share that I may have missed? I would say to try to figure out how to reimagine things before you cancel things. Um, just because it doesn't look like it did, I, well, I can't say last year because we were in this last year. <laughs> the year before last or a semester and a half ago doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's wrong because it's different. It's just different. So if mm. you have to reimagine what recruiting looks like, if you have to reimagine what your concert looks like, you know, just do it. Don't do it. And don't spend too much time harping on what could have been, what used to be, and figure out what's best for the kids you have in front of you right now. Mm. Yes. Of course, I'm so sad that this is ending. This is coming coming to, to the end. And I, I appreciate your time. And I know it's late where you, very late where you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I have just a couple few questions that, I, that I'd love for you to answer before you go. One, if you could give one piece of advice to a young teacher, what would you say? Don't be afraid to ask for help. Sometimes we don't want people to know what's happening, like in our band rooms or things like that. Pick up the phone and call someone and ask for help. Veteran teachers are always willing to help. Yes. And speaking of that, 
how do you mentor aspiring directors? Like, how do you let them know what they need beyond what's, what's happening in the classroom? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I try to encourage them to use problem-solving skills. Mm. That's a big thing. <laughs> it's a big thing for me is problem-solving skills. So that goes back to what I said earlier about don't automatically cancel something mm-hmm. before trying to figure out how you can reimagine it. So same thing with the, young, the, the, the younger teachers, you know, teachers, the mentor. All right. You know what the issue is. All right. What are you going to do about it? You know, don't just give up, mm-hmm. <laughs> figure something out and then call someone for help if you need to. Um, so yeah, that's it. Just not giving answers, but kind of guiding. I love that. And it's, it's needed, especially, especially now. What would you want to leave the profession when you're gone? Oh, wow. That's a hard one. <laughs> leave the profession with, oh gosh, you stumped me on this one. What would I want to leave the profession with? Okay. More teachers who are problem solvers <laughs> <laughs> and who don't give up and try to figure things out. And whether that is, you know, through that Athena mentorship program, whether it's, you know, reaching out to, you know, to the, the younger black women who look up to us, who want to be band directors, um, just kind of leaving a legacy, I guess you can mm-hmm. say of, of young ladies and, and young men who have confidence and problem-solving skills. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that. And I, I'm very passionate about, you know, making sure people who, who taught in similar situations to me, you know, have better or can do better than I did um, in, in the future. And I know you're very, very passionate about, you know, seeing young women thrive and, you know, seeing black women directors do well in, in 20 years, what would you like to see um, from, from Athena and the association of black women directors? Oh gosh. I don't know if I've thought that far (laughs) ahead. Wow. Uh, For it to, for either one of them to be around 20 years from now, would just be a feat in itself. I mean, you know, Athena's been around for 12 years and I can't believe that we've already been around for 12 years. Um, And how, how young quote unquote I was in the profession when we started doing that, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, the, the association hopefully would be full of people, (laughs) you know, because there was a whole new generation who, who wasn't scared to get in the profession and, uh, you know, thriving and supporting each other and celebrating each other, empowering each other. And I guess the same with Athena. You know, we've kind of evolved um, and have different programs, you know, with our director's clinic now and Club Athena. And we started the Honor Ensemble this year. And so, you know, just trying to figure out different ways to reach young women and, you know, to have them empowered through music. So, just, I guess, just keeping well-established and maybe coming back and, you know, being all over the country and having regional camps and, you know, things like that, you know, who knows, you know, endless possibilities, right? Can't, can't you imagine Athena, Italy? Oh, no, that would be <laughs> I have to make sure I go. Oh, no. <laughs> Is there anything you want to 
to plug? Athena Virtual Academy. Yes, we are going to have two sessions of the Athena Virtual Academy this summer. Monday through Thursday for both of them, the final two weeks of June. And our registration is going to open soon. And it's virtual, so it's literally open to people all over the world. We've had people from the United States and Canada to attend before. And we are going to have spots for muses, which are our college music majors, who will be our camp counselors, even for the virtual camp. Um, We will have applications open for those uh, pretty soon as well. And you can find this information where? You can find it at www.athenacamp.com. A-T-H-E-N-A-C-A-M-P.com. And then lastly, I know um, if you don't know anything about the Fayette High School program, uh, please check them out um, on, on all the social medias and at their website. FayetteCountyBand.org. Well, thank you so, so much. This has been, this has been really great. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, you, you asking me on. I, I really do. Of and congratulations on having the podcast. This is this is wonderful. It's it's been cool. Yeah. 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 Really, really cool. Yeah. So well yeah. my well, Meyer, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for uh taking the time and, and speaking to us and something that's super important to to every educator uh today. COVID is just frustrating and everything that goes along with it is. And so to, to see, to see you thriving, um, and, and, and I know it's, it's super, super tough for you, but even, you know, every time I just send you a text, you know, I'm doing good and, and pushing through. And that's, that's just the, 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 the right attitude to take because all you can do is get to the next day. And if, if you, if you get, from measure one to measure five at the end of the year, you've, you've progressed in some kind of way. So thank you again for your time and uh, sharing, sharing everything. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode to the end and beyond. We're going to make it through COVID with our guest, the one and only the queen, Dr. Meyer Roden. I hope these things continue to be helpful as we make our big push to the end of the school year. And in our next episode, we're going to be talking about Reach One, Teach One. And I'm so excited for this episode with our guests, Tyler Atkins out of Houston, Texas, Jose Fernandez out of Orlando, Florida, and Christopher Steele out of Washington, D.C. And on another note, I would love to interact with you guys on social media. Find me on social media at Band Room Tales and just say hello or tell me what you liked about the episode. I appreciate you guys and all the support and love you guys so much. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tales from the Band Room. Check us out on all social media at Band Room Tales or you can email your comments or questions to bandroomtales at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe to our Daddy's Podcast and leave a review. You can find out more about this podcast at TalesFromTheBandRoom.com. 
Music by my Phi Beta Sigma line brother, Jason, Classic Beats Menace. Go Mob! These episodes are edited by Michael Tabone and Alex Siegelman. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. <laughs>